Today, I want all your attention to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. What does it say? I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So Paul is saying, I, I am really inviting you, I am encouraging you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Say with me, to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. See, before Ephesians 1, you see the first three chapters of Ephesians, right? Ephesians 1, 2, 3. And in Ephesians 1, 2, 3, Paul talks about what the Lord has done for us, what the Lord has done in us, and what the Lord is doing with us, right? What does he talk about? What the Lord has done for us, what the Lord has done with us, and what the Lord is doing in us. So Ephesians 1 to 3 is, you know, is loaded with what happened on the cross, is loaded with what happened through the resurrection and what happened after the resurrection. But then in Ephesians 4 verse 1, he says, hey, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. The thing is, if you read this verse without understanding the first three chapters, you will get burnt out. Why? Because how, how, do I, how do I walk in a manner worthy of my calling? You can't do that because for, for you to do that, you have to be empowered by the truth of what Jesus has done on the cross. Okay, it begins there. Everything, everything. Our Christian walk begins by knowing the finished work of Christ. Our Christian walk begins by knowing what Jesus has done. Our calling is to be a son. Our calling is to represent the Father for who He is. But we can't do that unless we know the truth of what happened on the cross. Unless we know the truth of what Jesus has done for us. So Paul is basically saying, hey, you know what? Because you are a king, walk like a king. Because you are a son, walk like a son. Because you are a daughter, walk like a daughter. Okay? So he's empowering us. He's saying, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. If you are a king, behave like a king. If you are a son, behave like a son. Right? You, you can't, you, it can't be conflicting. You can't say that you are God's children, we are God's children, but then behave like the worldly people. Right? So he, Paul is saying, hey, I, I beseech you, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So today I want to talk to you about humility. I want to talk to you about cultivating a heart of humility. Uh, and, and you know what, to be honest, I, I really thought humility is something that comes very naturally, naturally to me because I don't like showing off, I don't like boasting. You know, and, and somehow we have this perception that humility is all about you know, not boasting, right? Uh, not talking a lot about yourself and somehow being timid and, you know, uh, humility is all the opposite of just showing off. Uh, but then I, I, I read this book by C.S. Lewis and the name of the book is Mere Christianity. If you ever get an opportunity to read it, do read it. It's an amazing book. And C.S. Lewis has this one chapter uh, in that book called The Great Sin. Now, if... If we had to do, you know, a quiz among us in asking what is the greatest sin, you know, most of us 
we, we might think about sexual immorality as the great sin. But C.S. Lewis says, pride is the greatest sin. What made Lucifer a devil is pride. Pride is the greatest sin because pride stops us from receiving God's love. Pride stops us in accepting God's embrace. Because pride says, hey, I don't need God. I don't need anybody. Pride is the greatest sin because it separates us from God. Uh, so today I want to talk to you about humility and pride. Uh, because we, we often think, most of us think that we don't have pride issues. right? Like, like me, you think that you don't have pride issues. But let me ask you this. Do you get offended? And do you know offense is caused by pride? Do you get offended? Do you dislike, you know, certain people's behavior? Does it offend you? Does it, you know, throw you off course? It's because we have pride in us. Because we think that we can do better than them. Because we think, you know what, if I had that responsibility, I could have done much better. Or this is how he should have done it. That's why we get offended by people. Why? Because we are struggling with pride in ourselves. We think so much, we have puffed up image about ourselves. Right? Read with me, James chapter 4, verse 1 to 5. James articulates this very beautifully. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he earns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Basically, what James is saying is that pride is the major reason behind every conflict in the world. Why do, we, why do we fight in our relationships? Because of pride. Why do we have this urge to prove ourselves that we are right than the other person? Theological debate, political debate, religious debate. We are constantly trying to prove that we are right and the other person is wrong. Why? Pride. Pride is a major reason behind every conflict in the world. And Paul says in Romans 8, verse 7 to 8, he says like this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Means when we are too fo focused on ourselves, when we are too focused on, you know, we are too self-focused, what happens is we reject God and we also reject people. Because we are like, I don't need God, I don't need people. It's the same mentality. Every time we say, you know, I don't need that person in my life. I don't need that community. I don't need my parents anymore. I can live my life independent. It's just, it's just pride that is speaking to us. Let me, let me give you an example. Lucifer, you know, God did not create the devil. God created Lucifer, who was an archangel, who was beautiful, who had, uh, you know, who was talented in playing music. God created Lucifer. It was Lucifer who became the devil. By how? By just having one thought of pride. 
one thought of pride in the garden of eden you know why adam and eve fell because they had one thought of pride that i can become like god without having god in the picture because they were created in the image of god but what the devil was selling them was hey you know what if you eat from this tree if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you can become like god without having a relationship with god you can be independent of god and be like god and adam and eve fell for that well, what is that pride you know what pride does it separates it separates us not only from god it separates us from people because the very instant adam ate from that tree right when god comes to him and he says hey adam where are you and adam says you know just i i'm naked and god says did you eat from that tree that i didn't that i warned you of and adam says uh this woman this woman whom you gave in the previous chapter he's calling that same woman you are the bone of my bones the flesh of my flesh he's being so loving and romantic and now right now he's saying this woman whom you gave she made me eat it what was that pride because pride will only look for self preservation and i'm saying if if you and me look back into our lives there's so much blind spots where we don't know where we are proud and we are arrogant about anybody who says you know i'm i'm not proud i'm humble and my goodness disaster for all of us proverbs 16:18 says pride goes before destruction proverbs 16:18 what does it say pride goes before destruction you know i i'm reminded of a friend of mine who was doing a video call with me and he was on the cycle and he was like see dude i can drive with one hand one hand 30 seconds later he had a fall he broke his hand pride comes before the fall so pride is harmful right pride is harmful because it does not just separate us from god it separates us from people it separates us it isolates us that's why pride is harmful read with me james chapter 4 verse 6 and 7 but he gives more grace therefore it says god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you see we looked at that last verse uh, last week right submit yourselves to god and resist the devil but then in the previous verse he says he gives more grace say with me more grace See how many if you want more grace in your life you know you're you're not content with just grace you want more grace and the bible says he gives more grace to the humble see how 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 do you and me become humble you and me become humble when we encounter the grace of god right right when you encounter the grace of god you're like my goodness how can i be proud against this god who is so favorable who is so gracious who is so good right so the grace of god makes you humble and the more humble you become you encounter more grace and then you become more humble and then you encounter more grace you become more humble it's a cyclical process it's a cyclical process where you encounter the grace of god and it makes you humble and as you become humble god gives you more grace and as god gives you more grace you become more humble So today if you and me are struggling with pride is just because you have an encounter God's grace. You have an encounter God's grace in the first place. 
you are oblivious of what happened on the cross. It's, it's a head knowledge for you. Yes, Christ died for me. He died as me. It's a head knowledge that the blood of Jesus washes away all your sins. But it's not a reality for you today. Must have been a reality 20 years ago when you heard the message first time. But it's not, it's not, you know, it's not real right now. It's not a present reality right now that is driving you today. Encounter God's grace. It will humble you. And the more humble you become, you experience more of His grace. Amen? You know, what is a sign of humility? What is a sign of humility? You understand what's a sign of pride, right? What's a sign of pride? You get offended. What's a sign of humility? Sign of humility is submission and surrender. That's why it's no wonder when James talks about God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Because submission always follows humility. Submission. See, submission is like, I'll give you an example. Submission is like me who does not know swimming, who is in the water and is drowning, right? And I ask for help. And if somebody wants to help me, I have to submit to the person who is helping me. I can't be like, I'll do my thing and help me. You can't do that because if you do that, the person who is helping you, you will drown him also. So you have to absolutely say, you know what, I don't know how to swim. I'm not even going to try. Just help me. I just need your help. Tell me what to do. You want me to shut up, I'll shut up. You want me to just surrender, I'll surrender. That's what submission looks like. But the thing is, you know, we, we want to invite God into our lives, right? But then we also want to do what we want to do. We want to try our efforts. We want to make our own efforts. That's not submission. Submission is, hey, just, just surrender. Let me take over. Let me take over completely. Just surrender. So submission is a sign of humility. What's the sign of humility? Submission. What's the sign of pride? Offense. See, let me ask you this question. Everybody likes community, right? Everybody likes church. Everybody wants to be a part of a gang. Everybody likes to be part of a worship team. But you know what everybody does not like? Submission. We all want to be a part of community. We all want to be part of the next trending thing. But you know what? We don't like submitting. Why? Pride. It is an issue. It is an issue of our heart. The hindrance to submission is pride because pride tells you that you are self-sufficient. Pride tells you that you don't need God, you don't need people, you don't need anybody. You are self-sufficient. Pride tells you that. And because of which, we are not able to submit. We are not able to surrender to one another. We are not even able to ask for help. You know, asking for help is a sign of humility. You know, calling somebody and say, hey, you know what, brother, sister, I'm struggling through this. Can you please pray for me? I really need your help. Asking for help is humility. We can't submit because of pride and self-sufficiency. So, let me get to the point. How do you walk in humility? Okay? How do you walk in humility? Now, if you see the example of Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's, Paul introduces himself, I am the least of all saints. Paul is a wonderful example of humility. He says, I am the least of all saints. But, you know, if you really compare Paul with the other apostles, he, he has done much more than the other apostles. He has written two-thirds of the New Testament, right? 
he has done more missionary travels than anybody else. In fact, he is more educated than the other apostles who were just fishermen and illiterate. Not illiterate, but uneducated. He, he could have said, you know what, I am the greatest among all saints. But he says, I am the least of all saints. What does it show? Humility. You see, humility in the life of Jesus, you know, in John chapter 13, where he takes off his outer garments and he comes down to wash the feet of his disciples. What is that? Humility. So do you want to know how to walk in humility? The sign is John chapter 13 verse 3. Read with me John chapter 13 verse 3. This is just before Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Okay, I'm giving you a key here. John chapter 13 verse 3 says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Three things. He knew that the Father has given him all things. Second, he knew where he's coming from. Third, he knows where he's going. So his past, his present, his future is secured in the Father. He knows that. He's aware of that. Only when your identity is secured can you be humble. See, Jesus being the king of the, king of the universe, Jesus being the Lord of lords, right? He expressed himself to be born in a manger. And then he is right now serving the disciples. You know why? Because he was secured in his identity. He knew who he was, he knew who he is, and he knew where he is going. Only a person who is secured in his identity does not need to show off, does not need to boast, does not, does not struggle with pride. In fact, if you see the temptation of Jesus, what the devil was trying to do was to, you know, doubt his identity. He said, hey, are you truly the son of God? But Jesus was secured. Why? Because of the word that he heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It's, it's the security that he finds in his identity, that his identity comes from the Father, and the Father loves him dearly and beloved, as beloved. That empowers him to be humble. Because he does not have to show off. He does not have to say, oh, you know what, I have a pastor title before my name. He does not have to show off, because he knows who he is. He's secured in his identity, knowing that he is loved. Have you ever wondered... Why Adam and Eve, before the fall, they never felt shame? Were they wearing clothes before the fall? But why were they not ashamed? Why is it suddenly they ate, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they're suddenly feeling all shame? You know why? Because before the fall, you know how they were designed. We were designed as human beings to live our lives looking at other people, not ourselves. For the first time, Adam saw himself and he's like, oops. You know what is pride? Pride is looking at yourself, being self-focused. But that's not how we are designed for. How many of you can see your own face without the use of a mirror? We can't. But that's how we are designed. We are designed to live other-focused life. Say with me, other-focused. Other-focused life. Whenever we are self-focused, there's pride in us. We're designed to be other-focused. That's how God created us. So when they ate from the knowledge of good and evil, the first thing that they did was look at themselves. And they're like, my goodness, I'm naked. I need clothes. 
Till they were looking at the other person, they realized, man, wow, what a beauty. But when they saw themselves, they were like, oops. You see, when you are self-focused, the two can happen. Either you are disappointed because you see your weaknesses or you are arrogant because you see your strengths. Both are bad. Both are pride. The only answer, the only answer to pride is what Jesus did. See the Father. See the Father. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus because He is your identity. I don't have five steps for you on how to walk in humility. There's just one thing. Look at Jesus. Look at who He is. My goodness, when you're disappointed with your weakness, look at Jesus. When you're arrogant about your strength, look at Jesus. Both keep you grounded. That's the only way to walk in humility. You know, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, just listen to this. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You and me were baptized into Christ. We have put on Christ. And then he says in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Do you know what is baptism? Baptism is basically, the, the best picture is, you take a cloth and you put it in a dying liquid, right? And once it comes out, it takes the color of the dye. That's what baptism is. We died in Christ and now we are risen in Christ. Now we have the identity of Christ. You truly want to know who you are, you cannot find that if you are self-focused. If you truly want to find yourself, it cannot happen by looking within. It can only happen when you see Jesus. When you and me truly find God, we find ourselves. Look at Jesus. Look at who He is. Look at who He is. Are you disappointed today? Or are you arrogant today? It doesn't matter. Look at Jesus. Because if you are arrogant today, you have insecurity about tomorrow if you will carry on with the same strength. That's why. Just look at Jesus. Let Him become our identity. That's why, you know, the Apostle John says, just as He is, so are we in this world. Just as He is. Man, nothing of me. I did not do anything to attain that. I just received it by grace. I just received it by saying, Father, here I am. Ha! Nothing of my efforts. I'm not going to, I'm not going to strive. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to surrender to who He is. I'm just going to surrender to His love. Look at Jesus today. I really want to encourage you. You know, you might think that pride is not an issue or you might be aware that pride is the issue. Whatever it is, just look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Encounter grace today because grace is the person of Jesus. When you encounter him, how can you be proud? When you encounter his love, when you encounter his greatness, when you encounter his goodness, my goodness. Come on, just take a moment. Just take a moment just to acknowledge the goodness of God in our lives. You know, like, like Jacob said, the presence of God is here, but I did not know of. 
just like that today your story might be oh the goodness of god is in my life but i did not know of oh the grace of god has always with been with me but i was so ignorant of just take a moment just to acknowledge the presence of god in your life and just say father i really want to experience this as a reality i want to experience your grace as a reality i want to experience the goodness as a reality i want to experience your faithfulness as a reality i am done away with theology i'm done away with head knowledge i want it to become a reality in my life i want to see the demonstration of it huh. thank you father for loving thank you jesus for this word which comes to us as such an opportune moment in time thank you for teaching us to look at jesus father this is our prayer that our eyes will be on jesus our eyes will be on jesus not on the things that we could do or we could have done but our eyes to be on jesus for he is the author and perfecter of our faith for he has become our identity i pray for each and every one of us in spite of what everyone is going through father i pray that the holy spirit will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation open our eyes to know that jesus is our identity in jesus name we pray amen